Rusty Quill presents. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the West Side Horror and Lit Club episode for July 2020, the last horror and lit club episode for the fourth season of the West Side Fairy Tales, which wrapped up two weeks ago. Welcome. Today, we're going to be talking about The Last Drive In, a show uh, hosted and run by Joe Bob Briggs, who many of you probably already know about. And those of you who don't, I will be talking about that, as well as Davis Grubb's 1962 novel, Voices of Glory, my favorite book. I'll be getting to those a little bit later. First, uh, other things, house cleaning, housekeeping, um, various other various other little bits that I want to get to, things that I've been watching, things that I've been reading, and uh, and then we'll get to the uh, the meat of the episode. I, I hope you guys are doing good out there. I know I always start these off with that. I hope you guys are doing good. I really do. It's uh, a little bit uh, hot out. <laughs> Spirit-wise, everybody's a little fired up. You can tell that the the, the uh, American election is coming on. If you live in this country, if you don't, you're probably uh, still inundated with a, a lot of doomsaying regarding the American experiment. So I hope that you're not too scared or terrified. I hope that everything's fine. And don't worry, we're going to be coming back with more West Side Fairy Tales in October of this year. So you don't have to uh, you don't have to worry about going it completely alone out there in the dark. We're going to be there. Right there with you. As far as stuff, man, I uh, I've been burned out, crazy. I think I've been saying that for like three months now. But uh, this uh, season of the West Side Fairy Tales is coming off of a lot of work that I did with something else, and so I'm just uh, a little bit behind. And now I'm basically caught up with everything. The season's over. Next season's all the writing, the editing, all the all the typing stuff basically is finished as of like a week ago and now I've got to start recording um, and I'm going to be getting married in fucking like three weeks which is crazy to me um, but I'm, I'm super excited about it but I finally I finally got some time to myself that's why this is actually coming out a, a touch late um, anybody that's that's listening back to this years later is not going to be <laughs> not even going to care that this is late it's dating itself but uh I just had to sit down and uh, take some, like, I had to force myself to take me time. I don't know. You guys can tell me about it. If you, you know, get online, westsidefairytales at gmail.com or find us on Facebook and answer this question. Do you ever have to force yourself to take off time? Like, literally, it's almost work to relax. Uh, that That is very much the case for me these days, especially considering I'm, uh, becoming a, a sort of not just a writer, but also my reviews and my opinions on stuff, uh, media wise and horror, is something that I've been folding into my 
overall brand, I guess you would say. I hate using words like that, but that's basically what it is. That's what I'm doing. No, no, no reason to be coy about it and try to pretend I'm doing something I'm not. But because of that, uh, things I used to be able to approach casually and just sort of hang out with for a while, I've got to like get out of the way. You know what I mean? I, I can't just uh, sit down and 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 like drink a book over the course of a few months or even even half a year if it's like something extremely long, like uh, Drood was. If anyone's ever attempted that monster, but uh, now I, I can't really do that. So I've I've I kind of like get into these positions where it's like, okay, time to enjoy myself <laughs> very aggressively. Uh, and, and I end up just watching stuff and thinking like, okay, what, what is the sort of like opinion I should be bringing to the table on this? Like, what, what, what am I feeling? I got to make sure that I have some mental notes so that I can remember to bring this stuff up. And I really just need to stop doing that. I really do. Uh, and on that, on that, uh, note for the last few days, I have just checked out completely. My, my fiance, Sam is on her bachelorette weekend. So I've got the house to just me and the bunnies and the dog. And we're just hanging out, man. And by we're hanging out, I mean, I'm sitting either on the couch or in my bed and just binge watching the entirety of the 2011 Hunter Hunter anime. <laughs> if you don't know that about me, I'm, I'm big into the Japanese cartoons, the Japanime, as I used to uh, try to mockingly call it because I was uh, desperately enamored with that art form. And it was not cool to be an anime person back in 99. When the original Hunter series, Hunter Hunter series came out, you were not allowed to be a uh, uh, an anime fan and be in public. It was a very odd thing. It was a lot of cringe. It's not. It's not necessarily. You know, the, these these people aren't meant to be put on crosses. They were not martyrs necessarily. A lot of the other people in the uh, anime community were high level, high level cringe. And I'm not saying I wasn't one of them. Silk, uh, silk print. Dragon Ball Z shirts in high school, bondage pants, uh, obnoxious anime um, terminology in real life. <laughs> Going to high school in 2000 and, and 2001 to 2005 was definitely an experience. I got to sit down with the episode artist, uh, Yui Breedlove, who's an old friend of mine from high school, and uh, talk with her about high school last night. We were actually discussing artistic things for next season all of the uh all of the episode art and the cover art and that sort of stuff and uh just talking about high school man and looking up some of the people and it's just odd it you know the the weird thing is that people don't really get that much weirder when they get older they kind of just get worn down so like either they're a unique person sometimes and all their uniqueness just gets scrubbed off of them and it leaves them bland. Like if you break all the barbs off of like one of those little things that gets caught on your sock and it won't catch to anything anymore. And then some of the other ones were bland in high school and uh, they've been polished out so that they're all sharp edges now. You know, you, you like there we, we brought up one person who I knew and played video games with, but I, I remember as being a quiet person because he's a fairly stupid person, you know, and, and he, uh, he figured out the old adage, if you don't talk, if you don't have anything smart to say and you open your mouth, everyone's going to know you're an idiot. I can't remember how to say that, right? Thus opening my mouth and proving myself an idiot. But uh, he grew up to be like a, a, a proto-racist QAnon conspiracy theorist. So, you know, that's the type of evolution. I guess yet still there's other people who were really just diamonds in the rough and, and, and time has 
polished them, hopefully, and not left them broken. But it's interesting to look back at that sort of stuff and to see what kind of became of the original anime fans. It's so wild to to like think of how how that has evolved as a cultural thing because it, it's always been pretty good. Like anime is just like any other, literally like any other type of thing to enjoy media wise. Comic books, pop music, K pop music, uh, horror films, books, romance novels, young adult novels. Most of it's shit all the time. That's just the that's just the way that the world works. Most of any genre is shit. That's why it's always easy to belittle genres. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't really like country music because country music doesn't speak to me very much. And that's country, country, like old school, like Americana stuff. I, pop country is really what I'm saying. Outlaw country is my shit. Uh, Americana music, you know, people like uh, Sturgill Simpson and stuff. I I don't, I don't mind them. Tyler, Tyler Childers is pretty good. I'm not going to start naming names. Pop country, Florida Georgia Line and shit is a it's vomit. It's absolute garbage. But you know, there's still good songs in it, and you can you can demean any genre, especially if you get real broad and say something like country when you mean all the the subtle derivations. If you go to like Nashville, Tennessee, and start talking about country music, people are going to not know what the fuck. The, the uh, welcome tourist. <laughs> Uh, we don't listen to country music here. We listen to honky tonk. Now, this is not a country music bar. This is Americana. And then, like, if you're an actual music nerd, they'll go they'll go deep on you. You know what I mean? There's a lot of different ways to play an acoustic guitar. And these white motherfuckers in Nashville have figured out all of them, thanks to black people from the 1930s at Mississippi Delta Blues. But, um, oh, yeah, uh, anime, man. Anime's come a long way. It's kind of cool. Like, my little brother's into it, and he's like a, a 19-year-old uh, former jockey type. He's played on the football team. He's not really, like, a reader. He's definitely not one of the kind of people, like, if I knew him in high school, I'd be like, dude, you should check out uh, Fushigi Yugi or, 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 or Naruto. I guess Naruto was coming out right when I was graduating high school. That would have been more of a check out this shonen thing. Yu Yu Hakusho would, would be probably what I recommended. Because uh, no, one's, no one's fucking seen Yu Yu Hakusho, which is crazy because it's really good. It's actually the anime that uh, Tagashi, the guy that makes Hunter Hunter, made before he made Hunter Hunter. He finished up Yu Yu Hakusho sometime in the 80s, 90s. Uh, they made an anime about it that's actually pretty solid. And um, it ended. It's like a, a, it's a miracle. Like fucking shonen, shonen manga do not end. They go on eternally. There, there's one, one piece has been running for something like 35 years now or something like that. I, I can't, I don't, I don't know the real time limit, but I know, I, I remember like a weird story when I was in grade school. It was actually the first time I ever saw a manga and I didn't know it was a manga because, uh, back in the nineties, uh, most manga was, uh, printed backwards to look like an American book to be read left to right, even though Japanese is read right to left and up and down, up and down, left to right to left. It's almost a perfect inversion of English, but to make it uh, more, more palatable for American consumers, the localization efforts included quite literally mirror flipping every page and rearranging the book from, from left to right which made all sorts of odd things. If you're a kid, and that's what they thought, you know, only kids are going to like this. The grand, the grand thing. Only children will like this cartoon. Uh, even though it's about, like, people getting, like, obliterated with swords and stuff. 
and there's like blood in every fucking every episode or issue or whatever uh, because it's cartoons. You know, the kids will never notice, but you end up with all kinds. Everybody's left-handed that should be right-handed and right-handed that should be left-handed. And if any mention is made of direction, it's it's off. So you either have to change it or it's just wrong. Everybody's wearing their clothes backwards. All the signs are backwards. <laughs> so it, it it's it's insane. It's a mirror version of of the real the real product. But the first time I saw one of those was in grade school, and I obviously I didn't know it was manga at the time. And I I found out I realized almost twenty years later when I was like in my mid twenties I saw this thing when I was like what, seven or eight. You know what I mean? That this is the same, the same thing. And like somehow this kid, I guess is like Grant or grandpa, his dad or whatever, or maybe like an older brother gave him a one piece manga and was like, you should, you should check this out. And then like, he showed it to me and I love this because it is the thing that, that hooks young boys all the time into shonen stuff. It's always like, he's like, there's two people on this page. There's a little guy and a big guy. Who do you think is going to win? Because they're about to fight. And I was like, the big guy, because he's bigger. And he goes, no, check it out. And he goes to the next page. And the smaller dude is, uh, is, is whipping this guy. And I, I'll just never forget that. Which I, it, it is just hilarious, you know, in retrospect. But now, um, now anime is a, a big thing. It's all, it's all around. And I was just relaxing by watching the shit out of it. Uh, Hunter Hunter... The current series that's out has 150, I think, 150 some odd, 140 total episodes. And uh, I'm like 10 from finished and I watched them all in the last week. <laughs> but I needed it, man. I needed it. And, you know, sometimes you just have to force yourself to take a break. And even now, I like I'm supposed to be like taking it easy, you know, just like, hey, give yourself a week off of this constant social media responding to fan mail making sure the patreon's good producing this this episode this episode reviews stories i've got a whole i've got multiple other seasons to write coming up and i've got to lay out last season like a book because i'm going to try to sell that but i need just a week because like you get to the point where you're actually like less productive even though you're have more productive hours. Like I'm not, I've never been a guy in most of the jobs I have where I like work eight hours. You know what I mean? And I don't really think you should be, you should work your ass off for like four and finish your light, like stuff. Like I like to get everything done. I harvest work. I don't, I don't string it out for a day. That's why I hate hourly jobs. They don't make fucking sense. It's like, Unless you're doing something like when I was a security guard, obviously I can't just like do extra security guarding for two hours and then, and then take the next 10 off. You got to do that the whole time. That makes sense. Cause you're, you're getting paid to be there for 10 hours, but some stuff, man, especially when I was in the journalism industry, I'd be like, well, I guess I just got to fucking sit here because I, I read. Planning for your next trip. Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And type faster than most people just because it's what I, I, I do. You know what I mean? Like people that practice guitar all the time play guitar really fast and really efficiently. People that cut onions can demolish onions. If you want to see fast, you should see somebody that's been working in a kitchen for 15 years do morning prep on their vegetables. You'll get your mind will be blown at the amount of deafness a like stodgy 35 year old man with like a, a bad a bad nicotine habit who who can barely get up a set of stairs. You put a bushel of onions in front of this guy, you will have diced onions in five minutes. Done. No, no, no sweat. So, you know, for cooks, and you, you kind of got to be there, right? But you can also kind of take it easy in a kitchen at, if you know how to pace yourself, which you should always be doing. You, you, you work real hard, and then you get your five minutes. That's why a lot of people that work in kitchens smoke so that you have a, hey, I'm, I'm going to have a cigarette. I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. I just prepped 17 tenderloins. I'm going to go have a cigarette. Not the individual steaks, by the way. I mean the entire muscle. Prep 17 muscles. That's, that's some wild shit, which I've seen done because I, I grew up around kitchens. Uh, I've seen my dad do that. You know, shear down the, shear down the muscle and then, and then get all your cuts down and, and trim it up so it looks really nice. It's a, it's a wild skill, but it's, it's the bomb. And you just do that. And if you work at a good speed and you finish it out, then you can get done and you can take a break. You always need to be taking breaks. Don't. Like, that, that's a thing in America. I'm going to go on a diversion right now that I, I really think people need to, uh, to get away from. That it, it doesn't exist in most every other country on earth. And, like, Americans will produce so much less work in eight hours than Europeans will produce in five. Because the Europeans aren't fucking miserable. <laughs> like, Germans... And if you're a German listener, you can correct me if I'm wrong. But, you know, I, I took a... I, I'm from a... German city in America, quote unquote, we have a lot of exchange programs. I know tons of German people. A lot of their work days tend to be six hours with like a two hour break in the middle for lunch. You get up at six, 7 a.m. You go in at 10. You stay from 10 to, to, to 1 p.m. Or yeah, 1 p.m. And then you, you have like a two hour lunch break. You go fuck off. You do whatever you need to do. If you have like errands to run in the middle of the day, you can do that. You can go to the restaurant have a nice meal and a beer, think about your life, go to a park, do whatever. And then you just come back by whatever, five o'clock. And then you go home by eight and then you're, you're done. And you've got a nice big morning. You've got a nice decent evening. You've got an afternoon to yourself. And then they have tons of vacation and stuff on top of that. And they are competitive in the world market. The thing with Americans are, is we, we have this like, a bizarre belief that if you don't work for eight hours a day, you're not really working, which is insane anyway, because I, I've worked so many fucking jobs, especially like the, the quote unquote, I worked hard to get here jobs or around those people, you know, it's office stuff. And then you just spend eight hours of the day at the company 
trying to find other things to do because your work really only takes four or five hours to do. You know what I mean? But they pay you this money and then you got to drive because everything in America is a million miles away. So you end up 10 hours of your day is gone for five hours of good productive work. And the rest of the time you're on Facebook or, or, or taking company shits, you know, dropping, dropping deuces on the dime. I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's good for people. I think it's really unhealthy. I think that's why people are mad all the time. I have a, a cousin who's really, really upset about the mask thing because she's an essential employee, but she's like, you know, I shouldn't have to wear a mask because I've been an essential employee and I don't give a fuck if you guys get sick because like <laughs> I had to work the whole time. That doesn't make any sense, but some people just get so upset because their, their work schedules are insane. You know what I mean? And we let people just get bulldozed that they end up really, really tired and really, really miserable. And I lived in that grind for so long that it's hard to, even though now I can set my hours, I get crazy amounts of stuff done. I get mad at myself for not being more productive. But then I look at people who are my, my quote unquote peers in the industry. And I look at people who want to be at my level, I guess you would say, quote unquote, who uh, are just kind of getting into to writing or podcasting. And I, and they're like, how the fuck do you put out so much stuff? Like, how are you always doing? I'm like, dude, I could probably write more. But I think 75% to 80% of effort is really all you should be expending on a day-to-day basis. Like, there's no reason. Like, I have a, if, if you were a power drill or you own a power drill, you do not run the power drill to redline every time. It can be ran to the redline. You know what I mean? But you should probably just let it cool off. There's no reason to burn out tools and there's definitely no reason to burn yourself out. So I guess this is me via you guys convincing myself that, uh, that me taking a few days to watch like 30 hours of TV programming <laughs> is acceptable at the end of this e- extremely long involved season with dozens of hours of, of, of produced content. It's insane how much like one minute to get one minute on line. You know what I mean? How much just, I, I think like it is really like about an hour per minute, <laughs> an hour of work, almost per minute of, of finished material. If you count in everything, because sometimes there's things that I like, I don't count like, uh, like the fan mail, you know what I mean? Like it, it doesn't seem like that is work, but it is because, you know, I, I've, I was trying to articulate this actually to Yui last night. Like I, I've never written fan mail to anybody that wasn't like an international celebrity, like a, a couple times or, or at least an extremely successful big four published author. Like I've written to Dan Simmons. I think when I was in high school, I wrote on uh, Stephen King's email website thing. Like he had all the old stephenking.com and they had a submit here we probably never saw it. Um, so it's crazy to me to think that someone at my level, someone so small is getting these like wonderful and thoughtful letters from people. It, it's, it, it's like, it really, it makes my day first off. And second, I, 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 I feel like, you know, really important all of a sudden. Well, I mean, it, it is, it, it's, you're, you're always feel important when somebody takes the time to write something to you. Uh, my, my family doesn't write to me as much as you guys do. Um, 
so, you know, I, I feel an obligation on top of that to, to write a nice letter back. And sometimes someone will, and like, you'll ask me like a question, some of like two things, you know, what, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? And then I just spend two days mulling over this, <laughs> this, these questions and, and thinking about it and thinking about it. Like, what should I write? What, what would be the right thing? Blah, blah, blah. Cause I don't want to like, I, I don't want to let people down. And then I've ended up, you know, it should just be like, Oh, thank you. And, and, and like real quick blah, 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 and, and just, just get it done. But I don't, I don't do that. And then I, I end up working, you know what I mean? So even, even those little things are, are, are packed up on top of it. This is me 22 minutes, uh, just like Tyler. It's okay that you took a break. That's how ingrained it is in me, especially if you guys are, if you live outside of America, I don't really know what the work week's like in Canada or the UK, um, just based on the way that the happiness level of your people, I would assume that it's not as bad as ours. Uh, people in America are fucking miserable, man. They're, they are they are probably the most regularly unhappy people I've met outside of war zones. For real. Canadians are, like, happy. Canadians have that... that um, and I'm not, I'm not being like a stereotypical thing. They have this uh, mentality sometimes, you know, it's not everybody, but if you ask them what they do and Europeans say the same thing, like, Hey, what do you do? And they'll tell you like their hobbies. <laughs> like, Oh, you know, uh, I'm like an amateur podcaster. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a skier. Oh, I really like comic books, stuff like that, you know, like, or, or, or I, I like to spend time with my kids. Oh, I, I love walking my dog. I'm like, oh, no, no. I was asking you what, what, what corporate identity defines you. Sorry, I'm from America. I, I'm, I'm really just trying to get at your fucking annual income. Because <laughs> if you give any other answer to me other than a dollar amount, uh, Republicans have taught me, and, and really like pseudo-Democrat liberals, have, have taught me that the, uh, the, the true happiness in life really only comes from a, a six-figure-plus answer to that same question. It's wild, man. But I'm taking a break, and I'm feeling great about it. I'm going to talk about Hunter Hunter for a little while. Uh, it, it is, I held off on watching it for forever. I actually gave up on watching it until I, my little brother recommended it to me, of all people, which is crazy. It's always weird to get a good recommendation from somebody that you don't consider being like inside of a fandom. You know, I know we have a lot of horror fans. I just imagine one of your friends that's like normally like, oh, no, I don't really do horror movies or movies in general. Just 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 like, uh, hey, have you ever have you ever seen the thing? It's like solid. Like, what? <laughs> that's such a good recommendation, dude. You got some taste or even better. Rosemary's baby. You're like, oh, fuck. You just bring it up super baller ass movies from the 1960s made by pedophiles. You're a savage. I love Rosemary's baby. Roman Polanski can go fuck himself. That's all you got to do. That's all you got to do. The, um, the, the premise of the story is basically like shown in bait. It's actually really why I skipped it. Cause I, I prefer like a smarter story. I can only watch so much shonen anime shonen by the way is, uh, Boys anime is literally what I mean. Shonen means boy. There's like shonen and seinen, and those are like the two male type stuff. So it's you know, shonen is like uh, we go on an adventure, we fight, we win via power of friendship. Uh, big bad, gotta stop the big bad. Maybe collect some stuff. 
And uh, yeah, that's 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 boys anime, quote unquote. And it's not really like uh, like a big sexist thing or anything like that. You don't have to really look that into it too much. It, it really, really means that uh, or really references the fact that it was most of those stories were originally published in manga form in an anime or a, a magazine called Shonen Jump, which still exists today. And it's a, uh, a manga magazine that runs out single issues of stuff. I think it's still one of the most popular magazines in Japan. Uh, but, you know, a, a lot of classics started there. Yu Yu Hakusho, Hunter Hunter, uh, One Piece, Naruto, Dragon Ball Z, G, Dragon Ball. Uh, the new Dragon Ball, I think, is getting published in Shonen, Jump, My Hero Academia, and then a bunch of other ones, too. The the girls' version of that is shoujo anime, which is uh, stuff more like Cardcaptor Sakura, Sailor Moon... You know, uh, even even girls anime, quote unquote, I mean, this is these are the terms I, I grew up with. Don't get mad at me. Um, isn't like very girly in like the Western understanding of it. It just tends to be stuff that's like more uh, emotions based, really. But it's still like a lot of the same sort of stuff. Like I watched the fuck out of Sailor Moon when I was younger. And I, I didn't really like I was just like, OK, it's fighting stuff and, and, and big talks. A lot of it's art style considerations. There tends to be in shoujo anime, um, a lot of the dudes are extremely slender, but have very big hands. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why that is, but that is a uh, that is a common thing. If you just if you look up shoujo anime, you'll just see dudes with big hands, really triangular heads, real pointy chin, bulb bulby kind of circular top on the head, and big eyes. Shoujo anime, Fruits Basket, uh, I think Fushigi Yugi, Cardcaptor Sakura, Sailor Moon, a bunch of other ones. And then you have like little kid animes and stuff. And then there's Sinon, which is uh, like adult stuff, more like adult, adult boy stuff, edgy shit, Ninja Scroll, also like Cowboy Bebop, Trigun, what I would consider those Sinon. Uh, stuff that you'd see on Adult Swim. The JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, even though JoJo's was serialized in Shonen Jump, from what I understand. And it's, I guess, technically a, a, a Shonen at parts. But, but that's the, it's because that's from, like, way back in the day. Way back in the day when stuff like, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of that, the, like, there wasn't a really clear boundary. So, you know, all, all of your manga was kind of, like, jumbled into one. So you had, like, Fist of the North Star and Bao. And uh, Gundam, all of the Gundams, the original Gundams, they were all kind of grouped together. Cyborg 009, Kikaider, those things. <laughs> uh, what do you call it? Giver. Giver is a good old classic. And then, and then you kind of like, they, they kind of distilled all that. And Shonen Jump really became for like Shonen E Shonen type stuff. And those. Those are like the big budget franchises, if you don't know that, in Japan. Uh, that's the, the Japanese version of Marvel is really like shonen stuff. It's big. You'll see advertisements for it in like, you know, hardware stores and at, at fast food restaurants. Like uh, just a kid from an anime, like a drawing, like eating like a Big Mac. Like, yeah, this is, I, this is what I do. I eat Big Macs. So there's that. Japan's off the hook, man. Japan's really cool with uh, odd hobbies. I, I, like, I really respect them for that. I, I think that's why I've always had a fascination with Japan. I mean, you know, I didn't live there. I don't speak Japanese. Uh, I'm, I'm being kind of a fucking weeb. 
but they do seem uh, a lot more open about displays of fandom and uh, the existence of fandom in a way that America was not 20 years ago when I was a kid. And, you know, I was never even that big of a, like a, a, a weeb. By the way, that's a, that means weeaboo. It's just like a Western person that's uh, overly fascinated with Japanese culture. It used to be otaku. And, you know, I, I considered myself an otaku when I was in like high school or whatever. But nowadays uh, it, it's, it's weeb. And it, it's a pejorative term for, for people like me. That's why I, it's my word. I can use it. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's used pretty lovingly. In general, you know, uh, we can say it kind of deal. But, um, man, Hunter Hunter is great. It, it follows a lot of the basic shonen tropes, so it seems like it's going to be super basic. And then it just, like, it just blows up, man. And it goes crazy. I, I think you can kind of you kind of get a feel that Tagashi fell out of love with his main character fairly sh- soon after. Because the, the main character is a kid named Gone Freaks. Gone Freaks. And uh, he's just cookie cutter. Boring. A basic shonen protagonist. He gets, he's got a couple good scenes, but his whole thing is he's whatever, and then he gets mad, and then once he gets mad, he gets serious, and then he can usually win some fights. But even that starts getting taken down early on. He just starts, he loses to people all the time. I think that's a big thing about this is people constantly lose, and then they don't get to come right back and win. You know what I mean? Sometimes they just outright lose, and like the, the resolution to an arc is just you got your ass kicked. And you're, you, you should not have picked a fight with these people that are way over your skill level. There's not a lot of skill creep and stuff. And later on in the series, you get introduced to some pretty baller characters that have really, really interesting uh, character interactions and, and backstories. There's a power system called Nen that I won't get into because that'll become the rest of this entire thing that has a lot of fascinating applications and stuff. And I, I really like the way it works. It's got a lot of similarities with the way that uh, magic, quote unquote, for lack of a better word, works in uh, the West Side Fairy Tales. A lot of similarities. Your your personal disposition sort of creates your abilities. Although it's not maybe necessarily like uh, a, a tit for tat. You know, like oh, I'm a person that likes cats, so I summon a cat. It's not nothing dumb like that. He's hot headed, so he's, he's he uses fire attacks. Nothing nothing that dumb. It's actually pretty interesting stuff, but. Um, I watched the shit out of that. I just finished up something called the Chimera Ant. Uh, the Chimera Ant arc. There we go. Which is pretty good. There's, it, 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 it resolves into, you know, fighting and stuff. But even uh, during the, 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 but even during some of the fighting areas, it, it's got great horror. Great horror scenes. Um, because you really do get a feeling. He, he's, it, it. One of the main reasons I'm bringing this up is because it does have to do with literature and and story building and character building. The show went from one arc that's really, really happy-go-lucky, whatever, people can die in it and stuff, but it's not scary, to an arc where uh, some former main characters, one of them gets lobotomized and devoured by ants, the other one just gets shot to death by a a monster and then, like, literally shot with a gun. (laughs) It's hard to explain, but it happens. And then uh, brutally devoured. And she's like an adorable, like, goofball from one of the other, the other series. And they just, these characters get brutalized early. And then people just die. Kids die, whatever. And it really establishes the fact that the, the, the former threats that you were seeing in the show were human. And they could be reasoned with. They could be talked with. They could be 
outsmarted, but now you're facing off against literally they're chimera ants. They eat things and then their queen births new chimera ants with traits from those creatures. So, you know, if you eat like a, a praying mantis and a butterfly, you might have a kid that's part ant, part praying mantis, part butterfly. And they have exoskeletons too and all this blah, 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 blah. So, you know, they, they start eating people because they want human evolutionary traits and it's, it's wild. So you, the stakes are high. Everyone in the story knows by the time you get about like a third into it, like if I die, not only am I going to die badly because the chimera ants kill people rough. It's, it's rarely like a good, clean death. They chew off chunks of people's heads, stab you to death, poison you, all kinds of nasty stuff. Not only is that going to happen, but some of them, they want to catch you alive because one of them gets made that can like put needles into your brain and lobotomize you and make you give up information on your friends against your will. Uh, and then you might get eaten. You probably will get eaten. And then your powers will be used against your friends to, to hurt them. So like the stakes are incredibly high because, you know, you send someone in that has an ability. If they get taken out, not only will they reveal the fact that the ability is there, now that ability can get used against you and, and also brutal, horrible, uh, getting eaten alive, death. <laughs> so there's one scene where a guy has to sneak into this palace to set down uh, little portals to get out, right? And it takes him a while. It takes him a while, like at least five or six seconds, which is a, a lifetime to draw these little circles on the ground. And then he's got another three or four seconds to tap it, to turn it on, and then it'll go away and he can use it whenever but he's got to set him and he's sneaking around and he knows the second he's in there, he's outclassed. And like, it's just like a horror movie. And I'm yelling at the screen. I'm like, dude, just leave, just leave. You're good. No one needs that in there. You can just go to the hallway. You're good. Just leave. And, uh, that was a great moment. The show really sold itself for me. And if you have a second and you like that kind of stuff, absolutely go check it out. I'm going to leave Hunter Hunter and any, any more, discussions of anime long-winded nonsense uh right here the other thing i want to talk about is cold heart canyon from uh clive barker clive barker's published in 2001 novel about a haunted canyon in uh, los angeles populated by the spirits of the ghosts of Hollywood's golden age. Uh, I won't, I won't talk too, too much about this one just because I'm going to be doing a review on it and I don't want to burn myself out. I've also already talked about this as a selection for our book club, by the way, I'll plug that. If you um, are out there in the West side fairy tales universe and you want to start reading more or reading more interesting things or reading with people or reading on a deadline, I strongly suggest you come over to West uh, facebook.com slash West side fairy tales, horror, and Lit Club, we have a book club now that's a part of it. It's, it's very informal. You just read at your pace. And then uh, I usually give a timeline. I'm going to start doing them based on the read time of the books from now on so that I can make sure that it's all a little bit more straightforward when we can finish it. Um, and then uh, at the end of it, when I think most of the people have finished and I've finished, I do a YouTube breakdown of the story and I go through it on a on a YouTube live. So you can come in and talk to me while I'm, I'm breaking it down, share all of your opinions as we go through the plot, bring up stuff, talk about what you liked, what you didn't like, and then ask and answer questions with everybody else in the comments while it goes. It's a lot of fun. People tend to go back to them also after the fact and reread them 
or re-listen to the uh, the kind of aftermath part of the uh, of the uh, review or the book club after they've finished if they you know they don't have enough time because sometimes people you know you don't you don't have a enough time in a month to read a book it takes you like three or four months to read a book and you know obviously we can't wait that long hell my room got hotter in a a, a my machine or my my filing cabinet just popped but you know you can come back and and and, and talk on it and I, I go back into the comments after a while and I'll, I'll i'll talk with people about it too so if that's something you're interested in facebook.com slash westside fairy tales horror and lit club or go to youtube.com westside fairy tales we're on there and you can look up the uh you can look up the uh, previous episodes we've done darkly dreaming dexter by jeff Lindsay, cold heart canyon clive barker obviously and uh the what's that called I don't know, some some Paul Tremblay book that I, I can't remember the name of. It wasn't very good. So, yeah, Cold Heart Canyon's amazing, man. Uh, I'm not going to get too too much into it, like I said, but it's definitely a book you should super check out. Super check it out. It's my first Clive Barker, and I spent, you know, a little bit of a last week reading it towards Friday and Saturday and finished it in a couple days, and it's just amazing. If you haven't read any Clive Barker, I strongly, strongly suggest checking him out. He's 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 amazing. But um, yeah, I think with that we can get into the recommendation or the recommendations for this month: "Voices of Glory" by Davis Grubb and Joe Bob, Joe Bob, the last drive-in with Joe Bob Briggs, uh, in which I might just uh, I'll probably be looking at his Wikipedia page a little bit and, and sharing some facts, just so I can. Kind of get you guys up to state, up to up to date with him. Uh, Voices of Glory is my favorite book, and it's going to be weird when I don't talk about it too much. But it, it's kind of a hard book to talk about. Voices of Glory was published in 1962 by Davis Grubb. If you don't know who he is, he wrote uh, Night of the Hunter, which is one of my favorite horror movies and books ever made. Uh, definitely one of my top five horror movies. It's just incredible the way it looks, the way it's, it's, it's shot, the use of light and it's a black and white film. It's fucking amazing. Start to finish. And, uh, I'm sorry. He also wrote, um, fool's parade, which is great. I think I might've recommended that book. If I hadn't, I'll, I'll probably be recommending it later. Uh, Stephen King's a fan of Davis Grubb. He wrote, he grew up reading Davis Grubb stuff. He wrote a lot of other books too. I've only read those three so far. Uh, Voices of Glory, I picked up just because my uh, fiance's mom, who's retired now, is a part-time volunteer at a library, and they get in books for resale. And someone brought in an original 1962. Davis Grubb, Voices of Glory, ratty, ratty paper cover, like literally almost disintegrated. But the uh, hardcover itself is still good. That was me tapping on it, sitting right in front of me. And uh, I, I basically eventually got to it, read a chapter, fell in love with it, and cracked it out while I was on vacation in, I think, Myrtle Beach. It was probably about two years ago now, because obviously last year I went to Puerto Rico and I read the Hyperion Cantos, so... It's been two years since Voices of Glory, and it still sticks in my mind, man. There's just so many good parts. The reason it's hard to talk about is also the reason why it's so cool. The Voices of Glory is, is quite literally the conceit of the novel. It's told from the first-person perspectives, functionally speaking, 
of 28 residents of Glory, West Virginia, a uh, semi-fictional pseudonym, basically, I guess you would say, for the real-life town of Moundsville, West Virginia, which I've been to and still boasts the West Virginia State Penitentiary, now shuttered, but they do ghost tours there, and if you're ever in West Virginia, I I, I don't strongly suggest checking it out, but I, I suggest checking it out. Uh, it's definitely, of all the ghost tours I've ever been on, Moundsville is by far the weakest. <laughs> Um, and one of the most expensive too. I think it's because it's a really well-known place, but it, it, it's kind of, it wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible either. It it was, the building was awesome. The tour was middling, (laughs) but, uh, the voices don't have their own individual. They all have their own individual plots or, or ideas about stuff. But in general, the story revolves around a woman named Marcy Cressop, who is a anti-infectious disease activist, which is something that sounds insane to me until I live until I'm just living in 2020, and it makes so much sense. Um, if you if you're just pissed off about COVID, I strongly suggest finding a copy of this book. It's going to be hard. It is not easy. Uh, this might be the rarest book I ever recommend on this podcast. I have never seen another living copy in the wild. I found one on Amazon, one physical copy, and it was a 65, 75 bucks. So I don't know. I might just, uh, I might illegally copy this or something and, and put it online just as a preservation act if I can't find a, a good place to, to, to get copies of it for you guys. But man, uh, yeah, <laughs> Marcy Cressup, it, this is, it's in ni- the 1920s, by the way. And so this is the height of a lot of industrial revolution, viral and bacterial outbreaks throughout the uh, quote unquote civilized world of the time. And I, I say that like that because that's kind of the feel of this book. You know, a lot of it has to do with the fact that these people consider themselves civilized uh, there's an idea that Western society is very, very strong and blah, 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 blah. And this n- novel is very much a takedown of all of the, the parts of the Western civilization that at the time was kind of new and to us is already a little too old. And, you know, you, you have just a lot of standbys that you guys will, will recognize wealthy business owners who don't want to shut down certain businesses because they are spreading disease. Uh, predatory landlords who are actively jacking up rent and then also renting uh, buildings that are, are, are riddled with um, sickness inside them. Maybe basically there's old diseases called like, like typhus and stuff where it actually, the disease can get into the walls of a building and then come back out. Like it just gets, it just, the, the building itself will get infected because you can't clean it out right. And uh, diphtheria, tuberculosis, she can't get money for creating a sanitarium, which is not a sanatorium, a sanitarium, uh, not for crazy people, but literally for, for, for sick people, generally tuberculosis patients to get treatment and get well away from people. You have all the standbys of the COVID outbreak. Isolation is important. Uh, education is important. You have people getting their children purposefully sick because they refuse to take diphtheria vaccines because they say it's a fucking like a Marxist liberal plot. I'm not even fucking kidding you. Um, refusal to refusal to, to 
social distance and stuff is all in this. And that's not even the main thing in the book. The book is so broad and so incredible. That just stands out to me because like I was reading this in 2018, 2018, right? And I was thinking in my mind how fucking smart we are. We're so much smarter than these dumb fucking West Virginians circa 1920s who won't take care of themselves and won't listen to this one lady who actually talks with all kinds of scientists who goes out and talks with nurses who gathers all of this information together and formulates plans and comes up with ideas. No one will listen to this chick. Impossible. Fast forward two fucking years later. And I am literally lung deep in dumb motherfuckers (laughs) who with, with advanced science, our literacy rate is like three times what the literacy rate was in West Virginia around the time that this was created. We're talking about depression era, 1920s. People couldn't read even the people that could read, you know, their, their actual literacy, literacy, like their science literacy, literacy and stuff was not very high. Most people could barely make it through a fucking Bible, much less, you know, an actual like science manual of some sort, a, a virology manual free information sharing was not available with all of that that we have right now. These people are like barely worse than us, if not technically better (laughs) and still ignorant as fuck. But in general, uh, what makes the book very, very good is the caricature, caricature, caricaturization, characterization. There we go. Of the, uh, of the different voices. You never feel like you're reading the same person twice. He is really good really, really good at maintaining voice, which is difficult, especially in, uh, if you write a lot of first person stuff, I myself am even guilty of it. Even guilty as though I'm some sort of fucking like her suit master. That means Harry. I don't know why I said her suit. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what word was supposed to go there, but, uh, he, he doesn't break with his character cause it's all first person narration it's easy a lot of the times to, to start writing something. And then all of a sudden you're like, you know, like, Oh, this would be the good sense. And this would be, you know, and then you kind of get back into your head and then you're narrating again instead of your character, you know, and your character is supposed to be whatever, dumb, smart, uh, has this perspective, that perspective, whatever it is about them, you just kind of let it slip. Uh, I remember I was talking about Drude earlier. That's one of the things that Wilkie Collins makes fun of, uh, What's his damn name? A Tale of Two Cities. The guy. The most famous guy. My brain has farted. Uh, Damn it. Somebody's screaming this at me right now. He wrote Oliver Twist. He wrote Great Expectations. He wrote Drood. I keep, my brain keeps saying Richard Dawkins and it's not fucking Richard Dawkins. Richard, Richard Dawkins is, I think, still alive and he's like a famous anti-religious atheist person. Help me. Charles Darwin is not correct. My brain is just, anyway, he makes fun of that guy because that guy will uh, routinely start something in first person narration and can't last more than five or six paragraphs sometimes, if not pages, before he slips out of character and is just writing like himself again. I'm going to think of this later and get so mad at myself. Dickens, Charles Dickens. Thank you. Jesus fucking Christ. 
That is brain damage, folks. That's what that is. But um, he, he's really good at keeping the voices on voice and on character. So you really feel for these people. And you get such a feeling that the, the town of glory itself is its own character with its own flaws and its own, you know, strong character, caricature, character traits. I'm dying. I'm, I'm dying, people. This is why you need to take breaks. <laughs> but everything's interconnected. And so, you know, you'll, you'll hear somebody talking about this and like this lady, she never blah, 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 blah. And she did this and she did that. And then you'll actually get to hear from her. And you're like, Oh shit. Fuck. Yeah. That's awesome. It's also great because you can read it as a series of short stories. There's 28 total voices. Technically, there's a little bit more than that, so to say, because of certain conceits and certain stories, but it's not a big deal. And uh, sometimes the people aren't the voice. So it'll be people talking about the voice, even though they're not that person, but they, you know, whatever. I I don't want to get into it too much because I want you guys to really experience this book. It's just amazing, but... The, the poignancy with which he touches on stuff and, and the, uh, the way that he gets out, the, the way that characters are hurt by stuff or the way that they feel is, is really, really just incredible. Looking up at the Wikipedia article on this, uh, I saw a New York Times reviewers from back in the day and I never trust the New York Times review. If there's anyone on earth that's worse at understanding literature, <laughs> it's probably the fucking New York Times. Jesus Christ. But uh, this book is, is amazing, but they suggested that Marcy Cressup, the main character, is just too nice of a person and too dedicated to really be doing all these things. Blah, blah. There's no way some woman in West Virginia is walking seven miles through the snow to deliver another diphtheria vaccine and blah, 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 blah. The irony is a, that fucking actually did happen constantly. That's how you got shit around in West Virginia. You couldn't fucking build roads in a lot of parts of West Virginia until like the mid sixties, just because the blasting and hydrology and, and, and bridge building technology just wasn't there. If you've never been to West Virginia, it's, it's mountainous in a way that's like, you don't expect, you know, if you think about mountains, you think about places like probably Colorado where you have a big fucking mountain. Right. And then you don't have anything for a little while. You have like a nice big Valley between it. The next mountain, there's these really these really defined peaks. West Virginia is like, you go up a hill, cliff, like 500-foot cliff, go up a 500-foot cliff, go down a hill, up a 500-foot cliff, go down a hill, go up a hill, go down a hill, cliff, 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 hill, cliff. It's crazy. It, and it's, it's, these things are really not very sparsely, like, apart from each other. They're, they're, they're tight. It's a very, like, uh, skinny, low very, very extreme high frequency area. So it's, it's, it's hard as fuck to navigate. And that's why like certain migration patterns of settlers from the, you know, colonies, uh, old new England went to specific areas in America. It wasn't because like they really wanted to go there. It's just because that's the only way to get through the Appalachian mountain range. And so they had, there's all kinds of stories. If you go to West Virginia, you learn anything about that fucking state. You'll just start hearing all these stories about a lot of women who would go out and try to make their communities better. And their communities are 17 mountaintops within a 15 mile range. You know, I got to make sure that these kids out here know what folk songs are. So I'm going to make sure to I get out to these hollers and these, 
secluded little clan areas in these hills and play a little guitar for them or bring them medicine. Uh, there's one lady, I can't remember her name off my hand, top of my head, but she would drive a, like a cart full of books to areas, and then basically she would have to park the cart here and then walk five miles that way to drop off books and pick up books and then walk five miles this way to drop off books and pick up books. And that's how like the library system worked. I just, I, I just appreciate that even in the 1960s, the New York Times was just so fucking full of itself that these dumb motherfuckers thought that that shit didn't happen. And like the book is, it's too nice. This woman is too much of a hero. <laughs> fucking New York Times. What a, what a fucking embarrassment of a goddamn literature section. But I digress. If you get a second, please, please, please check out Davis Grubb's Voices of Glory. Um, it's definitely not something I could really just like talk about. It, it would take me at least 28 hours <laughs> to talk about how good this book is for real. Because each each story even has so much heft and weight to it and is its own thing. You know, they're all little tiny short stories that well not maybe tiny but there are they are all self-contained short stories that that sort of interconnect it's very much like west side fairy tales um but it if I, you would have to just discuss each one of them on their own merits and stuff i i personally believe so it would, it would take me forever so i won't get uh, any more into this and i will switch uh topics of conversation to the last drive-in with joe bob briggs i <laughs> I found this show on a whim, really. I got Shudder for free, back to the anime discussion, because I'm an anime fan, and I found out that for, for a small period of time, if you paid a dollar more on Crunchyroll, you could get Verve, V-R-V, which, is, which used to have Funimation and Crunchyroll. So it's basically all, almost all, of the localized anime in America that were simulcasting. So all the new stuff and a lot of the old stuff too. Funimation's got a lot of my classics. Uh, my favorite anime, Cowboy Bebop, is on Funimation. I think Gungrave is on Funimation. Samurai Champloo for sure is. And I think all the Dragon Ball Zs are on there too, except for maybe Super. Um, but I got Funimation for a while, so I could watch back through a lot of my old, my old favorite stuff. And with that came a bunch of the other Verve channels, most of which were dumb. Or just goofy as hell, uh, but in, in, on the included with that, they had Shutter, which is horror stuff, and I was like, "Oh, that sounds actually fucking awesome." So I I went to Shutter and I started watching horror movies on there before really I started. I think it's before I started dating Sam, or right around the time I did, and so I introduced her to Shutter. Then a couple years ago, or really it was last year, we were on there and we found out that, that we just were scrolling through and like, what the, what the fuck is this? Cause I've been showing her all these old movies that I've was familiar with, you know, old boy and Henry portrait of a serial killer. And we watched basket case and all, all other sorts of stuff. And then we were looking and we saw this thing. It's a, the last drive in with Joe Bob Briggs. And there's just this goofy fuck dressed up like a cowboy. And I'm like, who the fuck is, what is this? And we watched, one episode and got five minutes into it. Uh, if you don't know anything about it, it starts off like, and he gives a little monologue at a drive-in and then he starts, uh, it goes to his set and he starts just rambling about shit. Welcome to the last drive-in. I'm Joe Bob Briggs. 
have you ever noticed that blah, 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 blah. And eventually you find out that these monologues tie in to some degree to the movie or to a part of the movie or to something that's interesting regarding the creation of the movie or, or people's interpretations of it. But, you know, watching that for the first time, I was like, what in the fuck is this shit? <laughs> and we stuck with it and he fucking won me over 100%. And Sam, too. She loves it. Because uh, he stops it periodically during it. And I, I'm, I'm not familiar with... Uh, horror video host type things. It's never been something I was into or really exposed to. I was aware of Elvira, but I thought she was more like a, like a professional hoe, basically like a professional horror hoe that was in a few movies. I didn't realize that she hosted movies and uh, on like a show until I was, I don't know, probably in my late twenties. Sven Gulli I'd heard of, but I didn't know anything about him. I just heard him like referenced places and so I'd never really seen these where people stop it and then they talk, you know, I thought it would be like mystery science theater 3000 where they just talk during the whole thing, which is hit or miss. I'm just saying, I, I know you, you mystery science theater 3000 people love your shit, but Jesus Christ, when that, when that show doesn't slap, it does not slap. Um, but it ended up being this uh, really interesting, these little tiny tidbits about it and uh, some pretty funny jokes and a lot of topical discussion, but you get to really learn a lot about stuff and about amateur filmmaking and even professional filmmaking, how connections are made, you know, what, what people really going through when they started making these things. And it's just incredible. It really is. And it's so fascinating that I, I, I'm completely hooked. I don't really know if there's anything else I can say about Joe Bob Briggs now that I think about it, because that is kind of the whole, the whole heart of it. Um, yeah, he's kind of hard to discuss because I guess it is, it's weird. It's a little too meta to discuss a, a discussion, you know, but he is just so on point with stuff. And he reminds me a lot of myself because he digresses, man. He can digress like three times in a sentence and then he gets back. So what I mean is, <laughs> um, if you, uh, if you want to try to check out Joe Bob and really start getting into his stuff, I think you can kind of pop in almost anywhere. I would maybe suggest starting with the first season. The first thing that you can watch from Joe Bob is, on, on Shudder at least, is the, uh, the Drive-In Will Never Die Marathon, I believe it's called, which is a 24-hour live horror movie marathon that they did uh, a year or half a year or something like that before the Joe Bob show show show, which is two. It's a double feature every week whenever it starts coming out again. This time it was in the spring. So, you know, a double feature every Friday and they're about the episodes. The total episodes go about six, five to six hours. Um, I don't know what to add to that. But yeah, the, the, the single episode, you can watch a single movie and it's a chunk, right? But each one's a part of a double feature, which is the real episode. Also, if you have Shutter, you can watch them live and like live tweet with people. I think I'm going to try to do that at some time next year, maybe. Or if they do like a uh, Thanksgiving thing, I'll try to do it. Because you can do, you can stream Shutter live and watch parties, I believe, with people the way that you do it with Netflix. And even if not, I could probably figure out a way to do it, but... I think that would be a blast. Just put on my put on my webcam and have some beers with the fans and and hang out. 
but it is really great. It's a it's a family experience, not like a like a for your kids, but like. Ah, I was talking about this on my my behind the season thing, but like, there is a real like horror family, and uh, for Joe Bob Briggs thing, it's like the mutant fam, and I'm glad it's becoming what it is becoming these days, where it's as inclusive as it can be. When I was younger. I didn't like being around other horror fans a lot, especially like other boys that were like slightly older than me. Cause I was reading all of the Stephen King shit. Like I burned my way through like every book Stephen King had written up into the nineties, save a sparse few, basically every Stephen King book in the green township library. I had read by the time I was 12 or 14, maybe. But I didn't like the kind of guys that liked horror stuff then. And it was, it was, it's weird. They're still the same kind of people I don't like in the horror community because they're, they're weird. And I think a lot of them are getting kind of pushed out. And they're not weird in a good way where you're weird because you're weird. They're weird in a bad way because they're like, uh, they like to gatekeep and they, they like to shit on people and they, they like to be like misogynistic and homophobic uh, racist even sometimes, you know, and, uh, they're the kind of people that really stick up for the, uh, the pedophile that made the Jeepers Creepers movies, you know, like let him make films. Like, nah, I don't know. I think there's enough films coming out. We don't need any more Jeepers Creepers from the guy that, uh, the guy that fucked a kid ever, 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 ever. Fuck him. Fuck his career. You can still watch Jeepers Creepers. I don't care. I'm not going to tell you not to watch a movie. A movie's out there. You can watch it. You know what I mean? It's like, there's, license plates on cars that were printed by serial killers and uh, pedophiles and murderers. But you still look at license plates, you know, no one's like, Hey, is this a cruelty free license plate? Like, no, it's printed at a prison. It's a maximum amount of cruelty went into the creation of that license plate. We, we quite literally could not make it more cruel, <laughs> but those kind of the guys, they, uh, I don't know that they, they, they seem like they're not around as much anymore or and when they are, they're not listened to in the way that they should be. And those are the kind of guys that they're not really represented in the mutant fam. And I feel like that, that kind of mentality doesn't have a place there. And the few of those types that tried to join are either like coming to the conclusion that, Hey, it's actually safe to be, a weirdo and you don't have to try to like show off your friends and be a fucking toxic asshole. You can just enjoy these movies. And then the other guys who are basically just like, I live to watch women die on, on movies. That's, that's my thing. I want to watch a girl die. I go home and then I, I write long, long graphic stories about girls that I work with at the shopping mall and I kill them with chains and whips. And I send those to female agents in the, the publishing industry. I know they'll never publish me but I want them to read them like those guys little less represented. So I've heard people get worried about that because Joe Bob is a, uh, old Texas dude and people, um, people like to try to push the outrage button on him because he's like, he's not even like politically incorrect. He's just a kind of a goof sometimes, but you can tell he really does like enjoy the genre and people's, participation and it doesn't seem like an exclusionary kind of guy. I mean, his host is a, a fucking hostess is a porn star with an autistic child. And she gets almost as much screen time as, as he does now. 
Darcy the male girl. I think I think actually people tend to like her even more than Joe Bob, even though Joe Bob's great. Um, and uh, you know, I, I don't know what that has to do with anything, but some people because he'll make a off color jokes or something, but they're not like mean. It's just like I don't understand it because I'm an old dum dum and I don't get stuff. Not that 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 should make it bad, but he he makes the same kind of jokes about like literally everything. Like I don't get it. Like he he goes on screeds for half an hour about yogurt. He doesn't get yogurt, but he gets yogurt. He's he's a fucking idiot. He, that, that, that's that's the point. Is he supposed to be this like overblown Texas Texan character? His real name's not Joe Bob. It's Job John Irving Bloom, and he's a uh, a journalist, you know, and if you actually see him in real life, he's not dressed up like, like a guy from Texas and talking about blood beasts and breasts all the time. He's just like a a guy that eats yogurt, probably like a lot of yogurt. <laughs> I won't make any excuses. If he, if he's got bad behavior and you don't want to listen to him or you don't feel comfortable, don't. But I will say if you look him up and you, you like hear rumors, there is a subsection uh, that's on the opposite hand of the irritating. Uh, I like to watch women die camp of horror people, which is the, uh, I don't know. Like, I, like we're not really even into horror stuff, but we are very, very into trying to control what people make in the horror genre or something like that. Like people that never say anything nice, you know, but they are always like, they'll show up somehow. When, when it's, when it's time to like bandwagon someone to death, <laughs> which, you know, it doesn't happen. You can't cancel Joe Bob. He's got the mutant family people have been trying to cancel Joe Bob for, for years. And I don't think he would try to tell you like, stop saying bad things about me on the internet. He's like, go for it. Uh, if the conservative Christians of Calumet County can't get him, uh, and, and I think he's been protested and this and that PETA hates him. Everybody doesn't like him because he, he just gives a, a platform to films and that's his, that's his thing. And sometimes he's a dumb, dumb, but I, I, I love him. I think his heart's in the right place. So you should check him out. Give him his own due. Don't, uh, don't, don't stop. Don't stop because you, you search for him on Twitter and someone's like, Joe Bob's at it again. I think they, they got, someone got pissed off at him. Cause then he wrote something where he is like, he couldn't, he's like, how, what, what, even do you say like I don't know what to say for LGBTQ anymore, because and which is like semi fair because now the acronym is LGBTQ A Q plus, which is lesbian, bisexual, gay, transgender, asexual, questioning, and more. And I think even that one's wrong. Like I, I might not know. And, and there's no real like settled on. That's his, that's his point is that, you know, his point was don't get so upset when people can't say these acronyms the right way. When the acronym keeps changing, I, I, I really don't like the LGBT acronym either. Um, I, I, I prefer queer kind of because there, there's something about it where it's, like even the the listing and who gets listed and who doesn't get listed, like it's always LGBT. But like you know, asexual people do deserve to be on there, and like almost like, uh, like lesbians and gays are pretty mainstream now compared to like trans people, 
uh, bisexual people are constantly being fucking erased or just told that they don't exist, which is a fucking nightmare. Um, but you, you like, you know, those, those four are always represented, but then everyone else kind of isn't. And there's other people's whose, whose sexualities just don't jive at all with LGBT. Uh, so I think there's, there's a good criticism to be had of, of, of that acronym for being representative when it's supposed to be representative. You know what I mean? I don't know what a, what an easy fix would be for it. I just generally try to say queer, like in my, my mind, that's how I describe anybody that's outside of functionally speaking, like missionary sex, heterosexuality, like hetero, hetero breeder for procreation. I feel like, you know, everyone needs some, to some degree, some sort of representation in that, that area, because, you know, asexuality isn't a, a gendered sexuality like like lesbian or 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 gay is inherently in its in its phrasing but it doesn't make it any less legitimate it is what it is you know but i think it's because it's not like i don't know really obvious you know I, I, gay men worked incredibly hard. Lesbian women worked incredibly hard to be noticed and legitimized in America. And they absolutely deserve it. Um, you know, and, and the, the work is still ongoing for trans people. And I, I really do believe for, for bisexual people too, who, you know, get fucking shit on by everybody very casually. And just like, it's, it's such a minority that you just like, all right, fine. I don't even want to get, I'm okay. I'm whatever. Go ahead. Just keep, just, it's fine. No, I'll stop talking. <laughs> that sort of thing. And then you have other people who are like, you know, I, I feel sexually queer or genderqueer, but I don't, I'm not a lesbian or a, or a gay person. I'm certainly not trans or bisexual, but I am this thing very much. And I, I feel the way that you guys feel, but because it's not this like uh, easily defined gendered thing, like I don't get a place on, on, uh, in the alphabet soup that is ever growing. Like I'm just the plus at the end. <laughs> and also <laughs> it, it is really like your, your sexuality is, and also starring at the end there. And I think that they, uh, they need some representation. Like I, I, I feel like uh, BDSM people are, are, are technically like queer. Even if you're straight, I like there, there's no way that you can go around and, and talk about it. You know what I mean? It's really hard to be out as a, as an SM person, people think you're fucking like crazy deviant beyond even just like the normal shit that they horribly, horribly heap upon on the gay community. So I know I'm sorry for, for divulging down that path. It's, it's something I think about a lot because, you know, it's inevitably an acronym or a, or a, or a phrasing that I have to write because of just my topics and stuff. And because I'm a writer, so I, I want to be right. I want to be representative, but sometimes I do feel bad because like, I understand it as you're, you're queer, you know? And if it's it, queer being odd, you're, you're just, you're not part of the, the greater, the greater community of, of, of procreative sex. You know what I'm saying? That, that you can like come out and talk about. Cause if you're, if you grow up around, you know, cis straight dudes, they can talk about their, their sexual interests all the fucking time. <laughs> You'll actually get sick of it eventually. 
um, because it's just it it it's raw and irritating. And you know, even even females, uh, cis cis straight females can talk pretty pretty openly about sex nowadays. It's a, and then it, it diminishes as you get into the LGBT spe- spectrum. And the deeper you get into that, it gets to a point where people are like, I actively don't want to hear about this or. You know, this is like upsetting or like, I don't want to know what you're, what you're into and stuff. And I feel like that's, that's when you need your, your label, not because like you want to be labeled, but because you just need to know, you know, you need to be able to find like, like gay people did, uh, openly gay people did back in the nineties and stuff. You need to look for that, that yellow triangle that, that lets you know, like, Hey man, this is a safe space. Like you can, you can talk about what you need to talk about because even you might not think it. Anybody that's listening to this, if you're if you're just regular straight person, I don't care, man. Go for it. Do whatever you want to do. Um, it, you don't you don't realize that you can talk about that stuff, even if you don't like it. You don't like you've never heard it, but you know, if, if think about something in your head that you want to have conversations about, like just a just an interest, even something that's not so deeply ingrained in you as your sexuality. Something like darts, like if you really like playing darts or you really like fucking Cuman, Cummins engines and talking about diesel engines and all of the, the wonderful things about Alice transmissions and Jake breaking and all of that's com- compression ratios. Like imagine not having anyone to ever talk to about that and then just ever, like you're just fucking bored all the time. Like yeah, fuck. I fucking hate all the conversations that everybody's having because I'm not really part of them. And I don't really feel represented. You know, you want to make your little group. And I think in the case of uh, a lot of those, those, those leftover letters at the end of the, the acronym spectrum, the, 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 the colors that are too, too high frequency for the rainbow, I guess you would say. Um, I, I, I feel bad that maybe they uh, feel a little bit left out sometimes. I'm sorry for talking excessively about this. I'm going to leave this in just because, uh, I don't know. Hey, I see you. I see you guys out there. I love you. Take care of yourselves. Be cool. Um, and you know, Hey, if I'm wrong about this or you guys want to, you guys want to continue the conversation or talk to me about it. If you think I'm wrong and I need to just fucking God damn it, Tyler, get back to the Bible. You need to go back to the Bible and learn about Bathsheba and, and how stupid it is to look back at the light of angels. You'll turn into a pillar of salt. You heretical fuck. <laughs> Hit me up on, Hit me up on uh, on Twitter at WS Fairy Tales. Go to the Westbook. Go to the Westbook. Go to the Facebook.com slash Westside Fairy Tales or Westside Fairy Tales Horror and Lit Club, which is our special group where you can talk to me and other fans about anything and everything and all the things under the sun. I will welcome you to come in and and visit and and chitty chitty chitter chat chat with me. Check out Joe Bob Briggs on Shutter, please. He's awesome. He's amazing. He does a lot of good things for the horror community too. Like they spread it around, man. They, uh, they, they have the silver Bolo award, which you guys should try to nominate me for because it's probably the one thing I would ever really want to win <laughs> award wise. Uh, it's just, uh, for, for random small creators on the internet. Um, if you want to send me a personal message and just tell me how right or wrong I am about something or, or, or if you want to talk a little bit more about voices of glory about Joe Bob Briggs, about anime, hit me up, man. Sorry, westsidefairytales at gmail.com. I'm going to miss you guys. This is it for a little while, man. Horror and Lit Club, and then that is, it's done. No more talking to the microphone. 
not not so that you guys can hear, uh, but a lot of actually a lot of talking to the microphone, but not like this. A lot of reading. I'm going to be basically reading and recording and and editing the entirety of next season over about the next month, excluding when I get married and maybe the little trips that we do right after that. I'm going to be getting this whole thing together before October, and then I'm going to have just free time to write all next year, and I cannot wait for it. I need it. I tried to get back to writing uh, like a week ago. I got like two minimal chapters into the thing that I've been going on. Not two chapters, like two. I don't know how to describe them. Two phase blocks, I guess you would say, which are like gigantic chunks of a chapter into it and I had a roll. It's so sad, but you know, hey man, get you got to get you got to get you some break. You got to get you some off time, a little talk to the computer time, a little play the video games, walk the dog, pet the rabbits, maybe bake some bread. I might be baking some bread tonight. On that note, I'm going to leave you guys until next year. Keep your ear to the ground. Keep your eyes on the podcast thing. I'm not 100% gone. There's probably going to be something coming out this summer in the form of a promo, uh, maybe some music, maybe a little this, maybe a little that. I honestly don't know for sure. I'm not trying to be coy. I legitimately don't know what I'm going to release yet or when it's going to be released. Probably mid to late August, maybe September. And uh, yeah, I love you guys. Thanks so much for hanging out this season. Next season's going to be great. I hope. I hope I haven't hyped it up too much. I'm going to be spending money on advertising and bankrupting myself. So, hey, don't forget, uh, <laughs> if you like this program and you would like to support us, please go to westsidefairytales.com and buy yourself some merch. westsidefairytales.com slash merch. You can also donate to us directly. We have a PayPal button there that will just send us a little bit of a little bit of dosh to help keep the lights on. We also have links to our Patreon there, patreon.com slash westsidefairytales. And, you know, you can go get yourself merch, buy a sticker. We got, we got bookmarks, we got shirts. Clad yourself in the, the icons of greatness. Uh, and, yeah, I'm going to leave it there. Thanks a bunch. The season was amazing. Your guys' support keeps me going. I love you. And as always, until next time, stay safe out there. Something's not quite right in the quiet mountain town of Targrady, West Virginia. Months after a local teen was lynched in the dead of a hot summer night, two men stand charged with murder in what the majority opinion considers to be an open and shut case. But Adelaide Stevenson, a young crime reporter from Charleston, is finding out the smallest cracks in the official narrative run far, far deeper than she could have ever expected. Join Adelaide and West by God as she navigates small town secrets, the dubious ethics of her own profession, and the dark whispers of an ancient creature, known to some as the Witcham Woman, who prowls the shadowed hollers that lie between night and nightmare. Sent on overnight assignment to cover the start of the trial, Adelaide quickly realizes the story she's been told, and been telling, doesn't make sense. Cryptic assertions of a concrete alibi are emailed to her by the family of the accused. Nobody in town seems comfortable discussing the basic facts of the case, and the murder she's been writing about wasn't the only tragic death this summer. Adelaide extends her stay against the wishes of her editor, 
and her investigations take a complicated and dangerous turn as she discovers the true depths of the mysteries surrounding Targrady. The only real evidence from the night of the murder may lie in the hands of a notorious local crime family led by an enigmatic woman known as the Fetid Queen. Local authorities seem to grow more hostile by the hour, and even Adelaide's own career might not survive this assignment. Featuring an eclectic cast of characters ranging from violent and horrifying to outlandish and fabulous, West by God is a must-read novel for anybody who enjoys Twin Peaks, Stephen King, and all the creepy places you find just off the path in the woods. It is the debut novel of Tyler Bell, a USMC infantry combat veteran, former crime and courts reporter for the Charleston Daily Mail, and creator of the award-winning West Side Fairy Tales horror and dark fiction podcast. Due for release by Henlow Press in October of 2023. Learn more at westsidefairytales.com slash westbygod.